welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. I tried to talk kind of slow. It sounds like a real good radio voice. <laughs> Got that crackle. This is Cody McBroom with Smooth Jazz. Yes. <laughs> what is that from? Uh, um, That's great, though. It's uh, Smooth Jazz. I mean, smooth jazz is actually, like, that's what my grandma, she used to love yeah. jazz. But uh, there's, uh, what is that movie with the dude with the afro, and he's like. Uh, I don't know. Oh, oh, my God. And he's, like, stuck in the 80s, but he has that. Um, Casino Lights? Nope. It's a comedy. Oh, I don't know, man. People are going to. For some reason, I feel like his name is Leroy Jenkins in it. I don't know why. <laughs> It's a hilarious movie. It's not Undercover Brother, is it? I don't know, man. Uh, oh, no. Undercover Brother is hilarious, too. World of... No. Um, Crazy Eddie Griffin. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Um, we got a Q&A today. <laughs> now I'm going to talk nice and gentle for you guys. <laughs> uh, it's going to drive me crazy if we don't figure out what that movie is. Um 80s radio host comedy movie. Let's see the Life power after, of Google. Life After Beth. Pump up the volume. An- um, Anchorman? It's not. Why is it? Google's not helping me. All right, let's yeah. do it. Let's just do it. I don't know what pump up the volume. I think they're, they're like looking at. Oh, the ladies man. That's what it is. Oh, there it is. You remember this movie? Nope. Oh, well, there you go. Of course you don't. Why would you? I mean, um, it's in the freaking 80s. No, it's not. It's oh. just that he's like stuck in the 80s. Like oh. he's just this dude that I thought loves. it was an old movie. No, and I think it's 80s. 80s is like disco, right? Y- yeah. I'm pretty 70s. sure. Yeah. 70s. Maybe even, yeah. 70s. 70s and 80s. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Holy moly. I know like, uh, I only know like the era of rock, like <laughs> 60s, it, like, you know, the 60s into the 70s is where like... Juice Priest, Led Zeppelin, like like that kind of stuff, and then eighties was like hair metal, so that's like Motley Crue, Poison, Guns N' Roses, that kind of stuff. Um, not my favorite yeah. kind of metal, but pre that. But I think disco was eighties. That's like John Travolta in uh, uh, Saturday Night Lights or Friday Night Lights or whatever the movie is. Um, but anyway, he he has a radio and he talks like that. So All right, is the ladies' man. We're but gonna anyway, get into the Q and A today. We have we have fitness things to talk about. We actually do, I promise. Yeah. All right, first question is going to come from Carolyn Mel Melisfit. It says, what are the two to three exercises for, what are, no, sorry, let me rephrase that. What are the best two to three exercises for each movement pattern? Push, row, press, pull, hip hinge, squat. Well, this is a perfect plug for our new YouTube video, literally, because the video is called How to Find the Best Exercises for You. So, uh, we're not going to answer the question today. We're just going to send you there. I'm just fine. We'll answer it. But we are going to link that in the description. Go check out that video because I literally break down how. So I'm going to tell you what I think my best selections are. Um, and we'll cover the main body parts. Otherwise, this will be this question would be an entire podcast. But in the video, we break down like a system for it. So when I tell you what I think the best exercise is for my chest. I run through a series of questions and ranking in order to figure that out, right? And that's what the video is about. So uh, go check that out because the video is really, really good. Um, 
honestly, since we started back up, it's probably the most like application-based video, like the most applicable video for people because they can actually take it and really go do something with it. Mm -hmm. Not just have like some ideas from it, but like literally go, no, like take what I'm telling you and then just go apply it. Yeah. Um, but the reality of exercise selection is that there is no black and white best exercise. If anybody says the best exercise for your lats is blank, they're full of shit because everybody is different. And we can look at the lats or the glutes or anything and one person will be like, man, that like really lights up my lats. I feel it a ton. Another person's like, I can't even feel my lats working. And the reason for that is because different people have different structures. So your torso is different. So the length, so for example, there's some physiques that have like really long lats and it looks like their lats start at their waist and go to their shoulders, which is actually like the most ideal physique because it's like a V-shape. Yeah. Whereas some people have high insertion lats, not the most ideal. It's exactly how mine are. I have like really short lats. So I might need a different exercise based on that, the, the length of my torso and the insertion, the length of muscle. I might need a different uh, exercise based on the length of my limbs, right? So how long it takes me to actually row or pull down uh, by the posture, because how easy is it for me to get into a retracted or a depressed scapular position? All those things play into a role. So I might tell you what I think my best lat exercise is, but if you have a different posture, limb length, torso length, which you do, yep. it's going to be a different exercise for totally. you, you know? So, um, so point being is there are no best exercises for any muscle. There are key indicators that can teach you what the best mu uh, exercise is per muscle group for you. Mm -hmm. So the key indicators to figure that out are going to be number one, my muscle connection. Not a lot of people give that any credit anymore because it's like an old thing. Um, based in the old bodybuilding era, the golden era with Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. But if you can't feel the muscle working that you're trying to target, it's probably telling you that you're not working the muscle well enough, in my opinion. Uh, the stimulus to fatigue ratio made popular by Mike Isertel is a great way to look at it too. How, uh, how stimulative is the exercise versus how fatigued do you get from it? So deadlifts are very stimulative, so they can be good for hypertrophy, especially for strength, but they are very fatiguing and you would have to do so many of them to build muscle from that the fatigue would outweigh the benefits of stimulus, making the stimulus fatigue ratio kind of shitty for hypertrophy. Mm -hmm. So it's not the best exercise to build muscle. Um, injury risk potential. So how likely are you to get injured doing that exercise? That's going to involve or uh, play a role in um, basically how valuable that exercise is for you because if it's a great exercise, but the injury risk is really high... Do you want to be doing it a lot? Yeah. Because you might not be coming back to the gym for a while. Um, and then last but not least, progression potential. So do you have progressive potential doing it? Meaning it's great right now, but in a month, are you going to not be able to really keep building upon it? And some exercises are that way, like a lateral raise. Therefore, it's not like the greatest exercise ever because it's not a a very progressive exercise. However, the stimulus fatigue ratio is so good on that, that that kind of outweighs it. So if we're ranking all these things, we might have, you know, high stimulus to fatigue ratio, really low injury risk potential. And we have a very low, uh, progressive potential, but we still have such a good ratio of stimulus fatigue, injury risk, all these other factors that it still makes it a good exercise. So in the mind muscle connection is great. So by the end of going through these questions, you can kind of determine, how good is this exercise? For you. For you. Yeah. So again, um, there's no black and white answer here. Uh, in my opinion, the best exercise is, for me, for, per muscle group, um, I mean, I guess we can go like quads, hamstrings, glutes, abs, chest. I mean, there's just so many exercises. I don't want to take up the whole podcast, but um, I'm not going to give my reasonings why. I'll just like break down the best ones. Um, 
For hamstrings, my favorite exercises are going to be the seated leg curl, RDL, and glute ham raise. Okay. Um, I have to give a little bit Dude, of No, space. you said you can't. I know, but... Dude. But then what we're going to get is people are going to be like, well, why, why not the lying leg curl? That's a good question. I knew when you said that. I, was like, I okay, know. I doubt it. So the seated leg curl uh, places more stretch on your hamstrings than the lying leg curl. That's the only thing I'll say. That's okay. the reason. Ideally, I would do both. I'm not going to just pick one. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick the seated leg curl over that. Okay. Um, and there's research to prove that. RDL, because I can progress longer on it. It's something I can keep loading and progressively overload over time. And then the glute ham raise is kind of self-limiting. And it's a good eccentric exercise. So it's a good way to throw in something that is more controlling on the negative. Um, and I mean, you've done it. Glute ham raise. They're so fucking hard. Like, yeah. You do five and you're crushed. So yeah. the progressive potential is really good because it'll take you years to be able to do 20 reps of like solid good form. Um, so glute ham raise, RDL, and then uh, seated leg curl. For quads, I'm going to go close stance, high bar, back squat. Um, again, just it's something that you can progress with really easily in my opinion. Leg extension because it's extremely stimulative. It's one of my favorite exercises for the quads. Um, and you just can't mimic it. It's not the most functional so if I'm not doing a hypertrophy-based program, I'm not worried about it, but it's very hard to mimic that type of loading pattern on the quads. So I feel like if you're in a hypertrophy program, it's the most repetitive exercise I use because how, how else can you do that? Yeah. You, you really can't. Um, and then she said two to three. So yeah. I'm just going to say those two because yeah. there's no other ones that are like my real go-tos that I like more than those. Um, glutes. Got to go with hip thrust. Hip thrust has just been proven to be the best probably exercise for glutes. It's the most stimulative. It's easily progressive, not very high injury risk. Um, seated hip abductions, I'm going to throw in there, which are like the most boring exercise ever. But you sit down and you just open your legs against a band. I mean, it's yeah. you know, pretty, Resistant. pretty easy. Um, and it works that external rotation. Um, and then I would probably go with either like an anterior lunge or a step up or something that puts your glutes in a really big stretch position. Like a good morning's great, but putting a bar on your back like that's iffy. Um, that's most people just don't know what an anterior lunge is when I say that. So, yeah. But you can go to our YouTube and check it out and you'll, you'll see what it is. Um, chest, I'm going to go with a dumbbell bench press. Um, I can put my my grip and my elbow positioning in a way more comfortable position doing a dumbbell bench press than a barbell bench press because I'm not fixed. So I just like it way better and it's progressive. So dumbbell bench press and then I'm going to go with a, a Bayesian cable fly, which is where you, you love those. put the cable straight away from your chest. You're not doing incline, decline and you don't use handles. You just grab the, I always say the ball of the cable there, but there's something, it's called something. Um, attachment? There's no attachment on it. So you well, don't put it's where you you put the attachment. Yeah, I don't know, but there is a name for it. The female attachment. No, it's not like a plug-in. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but anyway, it's just that Adapter. you just you just yeah. grab that yep. that thing, and you're just doing it that way. But you put your hands in a pronated position, so palms face down, and it just the, the stretch on your chest is crazy when you have your elbows and your hip grip in that position. Um, Why not it, the handle grips? Uh, because as soon as I grip the handles, I go into a supinated position. So if I'm in a supinated position, I'm more likely to get my bicep um, activated and it does stretch the pec a little bit different. Touché. Um, it's such a, but that's the crazy thing about biomechanics, right? Like this to this makes a huge difference and you wouldn't think it would. Mm. Um, and if you think about it too, when you're gripping that, it kind of removes your forearm, your wrist, your bicep from being able to do anything. Cause if I get here and I'm struggling, I can just curl the fucking weight. Yeah. So it isolates your chest better. 
Um, and then I'm going to go with a, uh, a deficit push-up. I love those too. It's just a good exercise to just crank out reps. You can add a weight vest, do a one and a half rep, big stretch on the chest. I like those. So dumbbell bench press, one and a half push-up, and then a Bayesian cable fly. Um, for traps, I'm going to go with a single arm dumbbell shrug. I like the unilateral for that. I'm going to go with a chest supported posterior fly. Uh, that's a, uh, lap pullover you're thinking that I was doing yesterday with a dumbbell. That would be triceps. Oh, I thought that's what Tra- extension traps traps. Um, so single arm shrug, just because I think when you can laterally flex your, your torso at the bottom and then like kind of twist at the top, you just get more range of motion through your shoulder and you can isolate the trap better than doing totally. two, two hands. Um, dumbbell posterior fly. I love, um, chest supported and then a, uh, a rope cable face bowl. But I would probably go face pulled down, so attach it to a lat pull down, um, and you're pulling down towards your chin. Um, love those for for traps, and then for lats, I'm gonna go with a wide grip lat pull down. I think that's just a good progressive movement. You can't get too much of that. Um, uh, a straight bar, straight arm pull down for like the stretch based movement that works really well, and then um, probably a dumbbell one arm row but with a really low elbow. I think a lot of people do run on rows. They bring their elbow too high and they're getting a lot of upper back, mid back. I'm, I'm talking dragging your elbow low to your waistline and keeping the, the lower lat engaged a ton. Um, biceps and triceps, like, I mean, triceps, I'll choose one because I think they're all pretty much, they're all the same. They're not, there's nothing that's special, but crossing tricep extensions is by far the best because your triceps help extend, hyperextend your shoulder as well, your scapula, and a lot of people don't know that. So if you do a push down, you leave your shoulders in neutral position, you don't fire the, the tricep completely. But if you're doing a crossing with cables, you can actually extend down and then pull your shoulders in hyperextension, and you'll feel your, your tricep just light up. That's one exercise I've shared many times, and I've had the most people give me feedback about how much more they feel their triceps doing that than anything else. Totally. Um, and then I would go with, uh, I mean, really, Girls. like... Yeah, I, I don't have a favorite curl. I love barbell curls. I love dumbbell hammer curls. I love cable hammer curls. I love b- straight bar cable curls. I don't really have any one that I like more than the other. I just love curls. Mich- Mich- cable curls are with the rope. You can do uh, the rope hammer curl. Yeah. You can do straight bar curl on the cable. Yeah. And I don't like either of those more than the other. I just like doing curls. Do you like cable or do you like free weights better? If I, I mean, if I only had, if I could only do one forever, I would choose cable only because the resistance curve is constant versus it being easier at any one point with the dumbbell. Um, cause there's mm-hmm. always tension on the cable, yeah. right? When you're at the bottom of a movement or the top of the movement with the dumbbell, the, the tension stops cause I'm in like a fixed position, whereas the cable is still pulling me down. So it's nonstop tension and it's a little bit easier on your joints typically. Um, but I just like curls. Totally. I don't care. Um, I don't train calves, and I probably never will, so, so I don't have exercise for that. Um, for abs, I'd probably go <clears throat> ab mat dumbbell sit-ups, or not even sit-ups, like a crunch, and I think it looks weird because we did that one reel of it. Like, it doesn't look like you're moving much, but you're just, like, slowly crunching your spine. Those light you up. Um, I would choose those probably uh, lying leg raises on a bench over hanging leg raises, to be honest with you. been liking those a lot lately. Um and then some kind of carry. I think if you're doing like a farmer's, farmer's carry. Yeah. For hypertrophy, I'm going with those first two, but I think carries are good for strength. So um, those are my top exercises. But again, in general, just remember that there are no black and white 
exercises that are best. Anybody who says they are, or just, it's just bullshit. It's clickbait. It's trying to get you hyped up about something. I think there's value in saying that this is a great exercise or this is the best exercise if blank. And then it's like, if you apply or subscribe to one of these aspects, like this type of method, this type of goal, this type of limb, leg, this type of injury situation. But unless we have those details, you can't say any one exercise is the best. So, uh, you can go check out the YouTube video, but you should be using some kind of articulate method or tool in order to determine what the best exercises are for you. Your posture, your positioning, your your limb lengths, the stimulus to fatigue ratio, the injury risk potential, the progressive potential, um, and the mind-muscle connection. Like how connected do you feel to that actual muscle while you're training it? And last but not least, I didn't, we didn't even put this in the video, but how much do you enjoy the exercise? You know, because like some of those exercises, like I really just enjoy them so much that they're my, one of my favorites. Typically, it's because of some of those other things are yep. very high. But at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it. Totally. Good stuff. All right. We will move on to the next question. It comes from Alexandra Fast. Uh, it says, your opinion on trying to become a coach in today's saturated market. What is your What is your opinion on a new coach trying to become a coach? A coach. I think – saying that the market is saturated is an excuse not to work hard, which is a brutal response. And I don't mean for it to be, but do you not? I mean, I do, but I I don't, I say things uh, bluntly because I want people to take it seriously. Not because I'm trying to be mean. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, But you know, what do I think about a coach trying to come up in a saturated market, I think saying it's a saturated market is an excuse not to work hard because if you look at any industry, every industry is saturated. Like why is coaching saturated? Because a lot of people are coaches. A lot of people are electricians. A lot of people are plumbers. A lot of people are teachers. A lot of people are everything. You know what I mean? So for us to say that there's too many people is a lie. For us to say there's too many podcasts is true, but it's, it's an excuse because there's too many of every single marketing aspect you could possibly think of. So if you go into a different industry and social media isn't the path to lead to success, some other marketing avenue is. And guess what? That's saturated too because everybody else in the industry is using that same exact path. And that's also why I've been preaching a lot about using long-form content SEO. Don't rely on Instagram. Don't rely on TikTok. Like build foundational educational content on your blog, in your email newsletters, through eBooks and guides, through YouTube, through podcasts, things that actually show that you're a good coach. Um, That's never saturated. Work hard enough to make it unsaturated. Bingo. Or stand out in the saturation. You know what I mean? Like I, the more, the, the coaching industry is saturated with bad coaches, not with good ones. You know what I'm saying? I think that at the end of the day, if we look at the fact that there are so many coaches in the industry, there's still only so many that stand out. Why is that? It's because there's only so many that are actually good. You know what I mean? There's always going to be the ones that stand out above the rest or they just don't have enough experience. Well, if you don't have enough experience, go work for somebody who does and shadow underneath them until you do. But at the end of the day, I think that my advice to any coach who is coming up in a quote unquote saturated market, I think that you should erase the idea that it's a saturated market. I remember saying that I didn't want to start a podcast because I thought it was saturated. Like too many people are starting podcasts. It's crazy. And like, if you think about when I started it, nobody was doing podcasts compared to now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to think I even use that excuse, but I use that excuse because it was an excuse. It made me like, it gave me a reason not to go in and risk and try harder for it, you know? So my advice is just do it anyway. Like if you really love 
what you do, that shouldn't matter. Yep. I agree. I said what I had to say about, you know, try your hardest to make it unsaturated. But what, you know, you said every market is saturated. What, you have to define saturated. Like, I know you said too many podcasts, too many of this, too many of that. But, like, I'm I, maybe I'm talking about the person that asked the question. What do you mean today's saturated market? Typically, I, I would think they mean, like, I don't, well, you can't assume. There's too, I mean, typically when you say saturated, it means there's too many. Saturated is, it's, I'm thinking, it's, I, I, the, the, what I thought was they were saying, oh, there's too much uh, false information. Saturated, mm-hmm. as in uh, falsified. Yeah. Saturated means that it's over, it's over flooded. It's over, like there's too many in there. You know wow. what I mean? So okay. like, but my thing is this, like you just got, uh, for the second time, booked to, to shoot for Luke Combs, mm-hmm. right? Like out of how many people applied to be in that contest the first time yeah. you got it. And then how many people reapplied for a smaller contestant, like out of the people who got it the first time, only even fewer people could do it the second time yeah. again, saturated, yeah. still got it. Yeah. Why? Because you fucking tried. Yeah. Like what's the worst that could happen? Yep. You know what I mean? They say no. And it's like, damn, I didn't get booked for the second time in a row to shoot Luke Combs. Yeah. Like who's going to be like, damn, you really suck at what you do then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so the way I look at it too, is like, you think about the housing market, right? The housing market is like getting more and more expensive, right? So if I looked at it and it was like the sat the 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 housing market is going nuts, I'm just never gonna buy a house because it's just prices keep going up. I'm just not gonna buy a house. Okay, that's a loser's mentality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, what, okay, so you what you rent and rents higher too because it follows that, and then you're just dumping your money in the drain. Yeah. Right now, everybody has to rent at some point. I did, yeah. but to just give up on your hope of buying your first home is stupid. Because, of course, prices are going to raise, yeah. you know? Of course, more people are going to get in the industry. Of course, everything. Like, if you look at vehicles right now, vehicles are on back order. If you ever try to buy a brand new car, it's almost guaranteed that you're not going to be able to get a brand new one off lot. That's why people are selling, they buy cars, drive it for 5,000 miles, and sell it for more than they bought it for brand new because everything's on back order. Yeah. People want it now, and they want to see what they buy before they order it. Dude, the used, used car market, the used car market right now is absurd it's nuts it's absolutely and it's nuts. because inventory on everything is down yeah you know what i mean like um i mean we're we're looking at motorcycles same thing shit is like fucking booked out for months and months and months because they don't they literally don't even have anything new yeah to present you with yeah. you know uh, but the point is is everything is that way like that's i mean that's the world that's the united states like more, 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 do, yeah. do, do, produce, produce, produce. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's just how it is. So um, my advice is to wipe your mind clear of that I like statement. That. I don't think it, it just doesn't serve you. Yeah. Like what, what good does saying that it's overly saturated do for you? Besides discourage you. Yeah. Nothing it, positive. Nothing positive. And I don't think it discourages you for like, there's no real good reason for it to discourage you because it's just not true. I mean, I mean, it is true in a way, but it's not, it's not but a reason. You, but if you, it's not a reason, but if you if you think of it as not true, then you're more likely to not have that mentality. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same. There's a lot of coaches with the whole, uh, you know, Instagram thing right now. I mean, if you constantly focus on how bad the engagement and all that stuff is and the algorithm of Instagram is, you're going to keep just sitting there searching and searching and searching for a way to hack it without doing anything else that's productive, right? That's not saying that we're not trying to figure it out. But we're doing a hell of a lot of other things yeah. that make me not stressed about figuring it out. Yeah. It is what it is. Like, um, but that's where I think people just kind of, they, they get in a standstill. So um, 
as a new coach, my, my recommendation in general is just clear your mind of the idea that the, the, the industry is saturated. It's not saturated with good coaches and it, and it, it never will be because there's only so many greats in every single industry and it's your job to try to become one of those greats. And if you do that, the industry is not going to be saturated. And, and here's the other thing too, is like, this is the last thing I'll say to think that you shouldn't do it because it's saturated, which may be true. There are tons of fucking coaches, but the population is saturated. Yeah. Obesity is saturated. Disease is saturated. Low confidence, depression is saturated. All the reasons people hire coaches to get better is saturated. What I mean by that is the amount of fucking people in the world who need help yeah. is always going to be way beyond how many people are in the coaching industry. Yeah. So to say that you shouldn't get into the coaching industry because there's too many people already doing it yeah. is like saying there's, there's everybody is already getting the help they need. Yeah. You know, that's just not true. Yeah. And there's nobody, there's nobody like you, Alex, doing it because you're you. You are a special little snowflake. Yep. I mean, it sounds funny, but I talk to people about this all the time. It's like, I'm right here, and then another person's right next to me. We have the same knowledge base, same experience, same years in the game, same everything. Why does somebody hire me over them? Because they relate to me. And for some reason, that relatability makes them trust me more and more enthusiastic and maybe more motivated to do this with me. Now, somebody's going to hire this person over me because of that same exact reason. They relate to that person, that person's story, and that person builds trust with them over me because of relatability. So we could be competitors or we could just realize that we're both great at what we do and I'm going to get some people just because of who I am and you're going to get some just because of who you are. Let's be friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that, I mean, that's how I would look at it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on. We got another one coming from Rachel Simon. 1421 going into a cutting phase is modifying your training necessary. I live, I lift four times a week, upper, lower split right now. Um, <clears throat> at times, yes, it is, uh, but not always. So I think a general principle of modifying your training during a fat loss phase is that, you know, there's kind of a, there's a layer to this. Number one, the way you should strength train while trying to lose fat is the same way you should strength train while trying to build strength or build muscle. Overarching theme is that you don't really change much. So in a sense, no, you don't adjust anything going into fat loss phase. But in the same token, if you are doing too much volume stepping into a fat loss phase, then there's a lot of reasons to believe and research to back this up that you should probably lower your training volume and or intensity mm in order to be able to properly recover while going into a fat loss phase. So if you jump into a fat loss phase, your calories drop and your cardio goes up or just one or the other, either way, you're going into an energy deficit, you have less energy. So within a, the first few weeks of dieting, you are not going to be able to do as much in the gym as you once were. And as much could be as many sets per week or it could be as much weight on the bar. And if you continue trying to do so, you're either A, gonna get injured or B, you're gonna burn out from neurological fatigue. So the best thing to do is to either drop intensity, so uh, how much you're lifting, or drop your total volume so that you're not doing so much work capacity because you can maintain your muscle on way less volume than what it takes to build it. So overall, your, your methods and principles should stay the same, but usually your volume and intensity should drop. Now, what I would say is that there's some people who are not doing that much volume in the first place, and I wouldn't encourage them to do less. So for example, a four-day split, upper-lower, isn't usually a crazy amount of volume. 
So what you might want to do is more auto-regulate it. So you could follow the exact same program, but you might lower intensity as the diet progresses simply because you might get hurt by lifting as heavy as you once were. But the only time I'm really dropping volume is when I'm doing like a five or a six day split. And as I get further and further into the diet, I just can't hang anymore. I can't do the five to six days. Um, but typically if I'm doing a five to six day split, I'm also doing a lot of bodybuilding movements and those just aren't as taxing. So like right now I'm still training five days a week and I'm almost done with my diet, but I'm also doing a lot of isolation exercises that just don't like, if we go back to the exercise question, selection question, we talk about like stimulus to fatigue ratio. My exercises have a really high stimulus and a low fatigue so I can keep doing them. And that's something I would recommend doing. Like I'm doing, I don't do any compound deadlifts. I don't do any heavy bench pressing. I do some heavy squats. That's really it. Yeah. But a normal upper lower program when I'm like not in a diet, I'm doing a heavy deadlift, heavy squat, heavy bench, and a heavy overhead press every single week amongst heavy rowing and pulling. Yeah. So you can kind of tweak different things. Now, technically that's still dropping my volume because my total tonnage, my total weight moved is lower because I'm doing less weight, which means my le- less volume in a sense. Um, so I guess I am. So I, I really, I guess what I'm getting at is at some, some way, shape or form, you probably got to drop volume and you can do that by literal volume, which is sets times reps times weight. And that's total tonnage. So if you lower the amount of weight you're doing, so if normally you deadlift, 300 pounds for five, maybe you start deadlifting like 275 at first. And it's literally just like, I'm purposely going to drop the weight a little bit because I'll still maintain my strength doing that and my muscle, but I'm less likely to get injured and it's less neurologically fatiguing. That's going to drop your total tonnage, right? Or if you're doing five or six days a week, like I am, and you don't want to drop your days, you change your exercises around so that you're not doing lifts that require you to lift super heavy. Yeah. Right. So instead of me doing a, a barbell overhead press where I can lift really heavy, I'm doing like dumbbell seated overhead presses and lateral raises for higher reps. So my total tonnage drops, but I'm still doing work throughout the week more often. Yeah. Um, keeping your volume the same though. Keeping my volume from a, a sets perspective the same, but from a total tonnage, it's down. And that's where like it gets confusing because you can you can track volume in multiple ways. Typically, the best way to track volume is is uh, just your sets per per muscle group per week. Uh, but in like old powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman terms, like when we talk about sport periodization for, for strength sport, total tonnage is volume. So sets times reps times weight. So it's like me doing a workout and you can see this in the Taylor trainer app. It'll say like at the end of a session, you lifted 30,000 pounds and it's sets times reps times weight. Yeah. It's total tonnage. Um, and that's a good way to track it in the app. You could keep doing the same exact program, but you're purposely going, I usually do 30,000 pounds in this workout. I'm going to drop that to 27,000 pounds. There you go. You know, and that doesn't, it sounds like so much, but really it's, if you do 100 pounds, four sets of 10, I mean, four times 10 times 100, it's a lot, you yeah. know? Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So point being is like, you, you probably should drop volume in some way, shape or form. Um, but I wouldn't do so until you start to feel like you're going to the gym and your energy's low. Because I've had plenty of clients build strength as they lose fat. You know, so there's a lot of clients who don't need to do this. I think as you get more advanced, it becomes more important to do so. Totally. It's good stuff. All right. We are gonna move on to the next question. It comes from Franco Guzmend. It says, Which physique do you prefer? The leaner version of yourself or the bigger version of yourself? <coughs> wow. Still recovering, bro. Um, 
All right, the leaner or the uh, bigger? Uh, I mean, it depends on the day. I mean, really? I mean, diet-wise, the bigger version, I don't got to worry about dieting so much. But I, I also don't mind dieting that much. Like, I don't think you literally can answer a question. I didn't, can't. <laughs> There's too many, like, I, I, my that's perspective. How, that's how your mind functions. Yeah, my perspective on everything in life is that there's pros and cons of everything. And I think it allows me to not hate anything. Honestly, I mean, I wouldn't say that. There's, I hate, there's things I hate. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, like, the things I choose to do. Like, I can, you know, there's certain reasons I like certain things. Um, I mean. That's good. Like, Shannon likes the bigger version of me. So, for some reasons, I like the bigger version just because Shannon likes me when I'm not super fucking shredded. Yeah. So, um, but it's hard because I think, like, you know, like, when I wake up in the morning and I, like, weigh myself and look in the mirror, I definitely like the leaner version because I look more jacked. But then I put a shirt on and sometimes I look small. You know what I mean? And it's very funny because it's one of those things where I think as guys, you're always like, the grass is always greener. Like when you're bulking, you're like, fuck, I'm fat. Like I need to cut. I need to get leaner. And then you cut and you're like, damn, I'm puny. Yeah. I need to fill out these shirts. Um, my recommendation is to buy smaller shirts as you cut and buy bigger shirts as you <laughs> gain there you go. to avoid that. Um, but I don't, I don't, I, I think I like the, the, the variations, you know what I mean? I think it's for me, I've always been into bodybuilding at least in like, not so much that I want to compete, but like enough that I really enjoy the journey. So my favorite part of it is, is the fact that I know I can go back and forth. You know what I mean? Like going through a dedicated period of time of just trying to gain is exciting to me. And then going through a dedicated period of time of trying to cut is exciting to me for different reasons. Um, the only thing I will say about cutting that I like more is I do generally growing up as a fat kid, I do generally like being lean because I like to see abs. Like that's a really cool thing for me because I didn't, I've never had that yeah. before I got into fitness. Um, and then I also really like the discipline aspect of gaining dieting. of dieting because when you're gaining, it's like, I love the, yeah, and I love the training when I'm gaining because I'm seeing PRs constantly, weights going up. I feel like super energetic. I could just keep going. I recover better. Like training is way more enjoyable when you're in a, a maintenance or a surplus yeah. for sure. But there's not as much discipline. I don't have to wake up and go on a walk in the morning if I don't want to. I don't have to track as many things. I don't have to hit my macros as closely. I don't like sleep is important, but not as important because I'm getting so much food that I'm going to recover better even with less sleep. Like there's so many more things that are just easier when you're not dieting, which makes it sound like I would much rather do that. But there's something about it, that hard grind that is like fulfilling at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, you like, I don't know, every time at the end, very end of the night when I sit down and it's like, oh yeah, I did it all. I checked off all my boxes. Like, and I have boxes in my Google sheet of like, knocked out all those things and you could sit down, crack open a diet root beer <laughs> and be like satisfied. There you go. But, so I'm going to take it the leaner version? Yeah, I'd probably say leaner version. All right. But I wouldn't. But I, but I love it. But I wouldn't if I didn't experience the bigger version too. There you you go. know what I mean? I think I like the but leaner version. you wouldn't version. be able to answer the question if you hadn't experienced the bigger version. Touche. All right. Cool. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think my main my main thing that I'm really trying to articulate is that I don't think if I wasn't into the process of going back and forth, I don't think I would give a shit. Like I, I don't think like I used to really chase abs. Cause I thought I would be happier if I had abs and then I got abs and I was like, Oh, I don't give a shit. Like yeah. I don't take off my shirt. 
next to ever unless it's like I'm about to go to bed and then the light's already off. Like I just, you know what I mean? It's just not that, like having abs and being ripped is not fucking important at all. But if you are into the science and the sport of transforming your body and discipline stuff, then it becomes something because it's a trophy at the end of the the journey of discipline. And that's why I like it. So if I never got into fitness, I could literally care less. I would probably be right in between the middle because I wouldn't want to be unhealthy and I would not want to be shredded. Yeah. I just want to have fun and enjoy my life. Yep. But for whatever insane reason, this is enjoying my life. (laughs) Like, this is fucking psychotic as that sound. But Yeah. I don't think that sounds psychotic. I think that's just a preference of someone. Yeah. Well, I appreciate Psy- that. Psychotic. I mean, but if you There's think a lot of psychotic things. Yeah. Out there. If you think Enjoying about work. Yeah. Well, if you think about like, like, what do you, what do you enjoy? Well, I really enjoy like walking more than the average person, cutting my calories until I'm hungry. Uh, like my testosterone starting to drop. My stress levels are getting higher. <laughs> it's hard to sleep at night, but I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> Like it just sounds, Wait, yeah. You know what I mean? It sounds like I, I get it. Yeah, it's like I I I weighed my spinach this morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I literally did. It's like okay, straight up. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, this is a tip for people. The reason I've never actually weighed my spinach because I'm like, it's today's spinach. your first day. No, but this oh, week I started oh. finally weighing my spinach because, I mean, even if I have like if I have a full cup of spinach, right? It's about thirty calories. But I like I just grab a handful and I throw it in there, and then I start thinking I'm like is that a cup or is a cup like chopped up or is a cup like loose? Cause that's a handful is definitely like I could shove it in there and I could make it way less than a cup yeah. cause it's compressed. And so I started like looking at the macros and everything and I was tracking a cup, but I did weight instead. And like, basically I would like, I was tracking in my calories, like let's say like 150 grams of, of spinach. I eat maybe 30 grams of spinach in my eggs. So I was like, Holy shit. I've been eating like, if I was actually eating 10 grams of carbs from spinach, I would be eating so much spinach. I'd be Popeye. It'd be just nuts. And so I'm eating actually like one or two grams of carbs. So I was like, oh, I'm wasting carbs on this. But Damn. that's why I actually weighed it. So good insight. No more spinach. No, I'm still eating spinach. I'm just not tr- I'm not putting as much as I was in my fitness bout because oh. I'm just wasting calories for no reason. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, we got one more here for you guys. It comes from Luke Will five five five. How do I balance being in a deficit with having enough calories to still have energy left for my life? You don't. You suffer. Yeah. Sorry, Luke Will. And that's just enjoying life. Yeah, apparently, thirty eight. <laughs> I'm hungry all the time, and I love it. Now, uh, so I think that this is this is actually a good question. So there's there's two ways I look at this. Number one. You, you do so by flexible dieting, right? And the idea of flexible dieting is like, don't restrict yourself for the sake of restricting yourself. Um, you know, track calories and fit things in. That, like the, you know, we talked about this with, uh, we, we did a hunger video, it's not out yet, but when I, I talked about the study on uh, mac and cheese. So I had two groups of people who ate mac and cheese. One group, was, they had to eat five days of, in a row of mac and cheese. Group number two had the same amount of mac and cheese. So basically, like, imagine they go, here's all this mac and cheese. You can eat as much of it as you want in this sitting. Um, and we're going to give this to you five days in a row. And then group two is like, we're going to give this to you once a week for the next five weeks. So they each had five feedings of a bunch of mac and cheese, but one was five days in a row, one was throughout the weeks. Um, the group that was five days in a row actually started eating less as the days went on. As you can imagine, you probably get sick of mac and cheese after five days. Yeah. The group that ate it once a week did not start eating less. They kept eating. 
the same amount, if not more, and they ended up overeating compared to the other group um, in calorie consumption, which the point of that is to say, if we are restricting until that one chance we get to finally eat all this mac and cheese, we are definitely going to eat it all and then some. If we let it come into the diet frequently, it's not going to like be such a big deal. So a lot of people always ask, like, like I, like I had a bunch of people respond when they were like, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? And I was like, oh, I don't like, I like ice cream's good, but I just, I don't know. I don't have a flavor because I just don't eat ice cream that much. Me either. Yeah, I don't, I just, I don't have cravings for junk stuff. They're like, how do you not eat ice have cream? Craving for what? Ice cream or junk or treats or anything oh, like that. I just no. don't. Like, well, I don't I care. about that, but. Like, I, like. Ice cream. If Blakely's true. eating, like, candy or something and she's like, eat one or, like, Halloween stuff. I'm like, okay, I'll eat one and I'm fine. Yeah. I don't, I'm not like, oh, I'm, I'm going in tonight on Halloween. And the reason is because I don't stop myself from fitting them into my macros throughout the year yeah. now right in this moment i'm definitely doing so because i'm just weeks away from a shoot that's very rare and that's going to yeah. be my next point but the point <laughs> Sorry, is Blakely, not right now <laughs> yeah, if you're like well she's like a vending machine at a certain point she's like try this goldfish i'm like okay try another okay yeah. and then like you're like 10 goldfish and you're like okay girl like you're taking away my carbs yeah <laughs> i don't say that to her i don't i don't use macronutrient terms in front of her on purpose um but point being is if I'm like holding out, holding out, holding out, holding out, and then going in on something, it's going to be really hard for me to restrict myself or like refrain myself from eating too much. Totally. So how do you avoid that? It's flexible dieting. We go, hey, like just let yourself have some. Oh, it's, but it's Tuesday. It's not my cheat day. Okay, fine. Have some on Tuesday. There's no special day for treats. It's just fit in your macros. And then what happens is usually the first time you do it, you fuck up, you eat too much, and you're like, damn. I overate. Should I cut calories? You're like, nope. Just get back to the plan. Like, keep hitting your macros. And they're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm having a craving for this. Okay, cool. Well, it's Thursday. All right, cool. I just had that on Tuesday. Okay, that's fine. Fit in your macros. And maybe they overeat. Maybe they don't. But you just keep doing that until you learn and you stop having this, like, restrict binge relationship with food. And that's literally how flexible dieting is. Like, you, you can't learn how to ride a horse unless you fall off the horse a couple times, yeah. right? And once you fall off the first time, we don't go, oh, shit, no more riding the horse for you. Yeah. Right, we say get back on the horse. You just keep riding. Get ready for them to to gallop or whatever they do, and not buck you off this time. Well, what if you just continue to get bucked off? You got to keep learning. Damn, that's a hell of a ride. It is. <laughs> Nobody like I've never ran into somebody that doesn't do that though. Really, not with a horse because I've never ridden a horse. Well, but I, like I, with dieting, like yeah. I've had plenty of people, even people who had like uh, eating disordered eating habits. Yeah. And they work great with flexible dieting because we, we just practice, we practice, we learn, we get better, and you just, you, you grow from it. So the answer is to not have these like restrict and then hold out until that one day and you, you put your fucking spear in the ground and go all in. Like you just let it come in when it needs to and you fit in your macros. And eventually you don't really feel the need to have those things. But when you do, you just do and you have a little bit and you're fine. Like, you know, and I always say too, like if it's like, let's say there's cookies on the counter, it's like, well... If you have a family, there's always going to be cookies there, so they're not going to get up and run away. They're not going to grow legs. So have one if you want. Don't have one if you don't want. But don't feel like you got to eat them before they're gone because they're coming back. Right? They're always going to be there. Like my dad used to say it to me at like we'd finally go to grandma's for dinner and I'd just be eating food. And he's like, you know, food's not going anywhere. And I'd just be like, no, <laughs> it's cheat day. And I would just be like. I would oh, have. this is after you got in fitness? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you meant like when you were like seventh grade. No, no. Um, and But that's that's what happens when you restrict too much. Yeah. So, and then the other aspect of this is you should just periodize your diet. So like for me, for example, like I'm in this phase right now because I'm in a diet and I'm being very serious, especially because I'm just four weeks away from the shoot. So I am restricting a little bit more on purpose because I'm trying to, 
I'm purposely going to a semi-unsustainable place, right? Yeah. But it's periodized. So, like, if we really look at how you should be dieting, this is what the, you know, the evidence-based community who really understands research usually suggests this. Like, you should only diet for, like, 25% of the time at quarter. most. Yeah. So maybe your diet takes longer than a quarter, right? That's fine because there's some people who have a lot of weight to lose. Maybe it takes you a year. Okay, well, you shouldn't seriously diet for the next year or two. Realistically. After that. After that. Because yep. if you do it right, you should be at the place you want to be and you should be able to sustain healthy habits, stay at maintenance, you know, if you're doing things right. But it's periodizing that in. So the way you do it is either A, flexible dieting, like I just broke down, or B, you periodize it into where you have a small period of time to where you grind after, you get after it, and then you get out of it, and then you stay out of it. Yeah. Plain and simple. So then you're not tr- constantly in this rat race of like trying to diet, falling off, binging, repeating. So creating balance while following a diet just comes down to understanding flexible dieting and, and periodizing it. How, how often or what percentage of people, I, I don't know how you want to answer, but do adhere better to just having one cheat meal day and when not cheat meal but day but like diligently or diligently only eating out off their macros one day instead of like okay yeah. a bit. in my experience a very small percentage of mm-hmm. people it's it's really the only people that i ever see do that are like do well with that are people who are extremely uh, experienced with dieting yeah because they don't fear it like, or they don't, not that they don't fear it. They don't, like, it doesn't cause this crazy reaction. Because um, I do that. That's that's my thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm totally fine with it. But if you really think about it, it's like, okay, well, I've been doing this for over a decade. And, like, what my Monday through Friday is, even when I'm not actually dieting, might look like a restrictive diet to some people. But it's just my lifestyle. So I think the answer to that is is it's way less percentage, like 10% of people maybe. Yep. But it's usually coaches or people who have had a lot of experience. And at this point, they're choosing to eat that way, not because they're trying to lose weight, but because they generally like eating healthy and being in a regimen and routine because they feel better. And that usually only happens when you do it long enough to really start to notice, man, like my sleep, my digestion, my energy, my thought process, my clarity, like everything is better when I just eat really well and clean and I don't have to think about how I'm eating. And like, I like eating in these macro totals because I actually fuel, it fuels myself better for my lifestyle, my training. And when you can create that relationship and that understanding, I think at that point you can do that. Totally. And even that Saturday when you're off, it's not like horrendous. Yeah. You're not like fucking going all in. It's just like, yeah, I'm just not going to track today. Yeah. Be mindful. Cool. That's it. So, uh, as always guys, thank you. But first and foremost, make sure you check all the links in the description. Uh, if you have a question for the podcast, if you have a recommendation for a guest topic, anything like that, you can click the link to ask me anything. We'll bring it up here. Uh, we also have a few links. So if you are interested in coaching, you want help reaching your goals, make sure you head over to tailorcoachingmethod.com slash online dash coaching. That link will be in the description of this podcast, as well as our training app, which is at tailoredtrainerapp.com. As always guys, we appreciate you for listening. We will catch you next time.